Welcome back to the Dr. Supercoach podcast. You're on once again with Cheezo. It's the end of round two. We're on the bubble and I've got Pistol after a nice 60 from you this week. Pistol, uh, I think you're going to start generating some cash. It's great to see you, mate. How are you? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm better than your analogies, actually, Cheezo. So <laughs> going pretty well, thanks. How, uh, how did you score this week? I actually know how you scored, but I, I want you to talk <laughs> about it. Look, I'm... I'm not trying to count my chickens, Pistol. You know me. Um, <laughs> I don't want to get ahead of myself and start having a bit of a brag and then falling off the face of the earth. But I did have a good round, uh, 23.88, which puts me in the top 500. So uh, I'm pretty happy with that. Uh, what about you, my friend? I went okay. I think the last two weeks have been so stressful because I've started so badly and I've played catch-up the entire round and I've needed something on the final day to go my way just to make par. Um, and in this case... I didn't field Bailey Scott and everyone else did. And then I, I crept up because of that. But I was just a struggle the whole weekend. But I did end up with um, 22.55. So still managed an okay score, moved up quite a bit. But yeah, I was stressing the whole weekend. So this has not been good for me. I've, I've already lost half my head of hair. Well, <laughs> that's a, a big statement for you as well, Pistol. I know how much you do like the comb over. <laughs> but there's a reason. There's a reason we all call you Bowl Cut Pistol. But uh, I won't share any photos in Slack. Uh, you, you can trust me, mate. Uh, I, I guess the good thing is, even though you do have, um, uh, you, you kind of like winks. You always let everyone get ahead. And then just kind of run over the top of them at the end of the round. Um, so I always knew you were in for a, a pretty decent week there, Pistol. I'm not, I'm not too worried. Um, but the, the good thing is, even though you're a little bit you know, up and down about how your year's going, you're still in the top eight of State of Origin Pistol for total scores. So that, that bodes well for this uh, little competition here, mate. Oh, yeah. I, I don't even know what's going on, really. I'm only... You know, I'm 14k. I'm like, what? It's like 50 points outside the top 5k or something at the moment, which is just a captaincy decision. So, I'm not down and out, but certainly have made it pretty much as difficult as I possibly can on myself by choosing bad rookie choices and yet to nail a captain. So, I'll do that one day. Um, probably as soon as Canelio bounces back, that would be very handy for me as well. Yeah, it, he did get um, tagged pretty hard. We'll talk about that in Kill a me. little bit. Um, I'm wondering what your thoughts on this might be, Pistol. Um, pretty much as soon as Lockout came out last week, we saw the uh, the updated uh, State of Origin rankings. I'm just wondering, I haven't seen that yet so far. Do you have any theories as to why that is? <laughs> I have a feeling that we may have broken away from the pack behind uh, a couple <laughs> of your your big scores. I think I scored the worst out of the four of us as well. So... Yeah, if I'm scoring the worst at 22.55, then we, we as a team, had a, a large week. And uh, I don't think that the rest of the competition can cope with it. <laughs> There's some fighting words there for you, Pistol. I like it, mate. Uh, we will go into our a section on the Patreon. We're up to 80 patrons now, Pistol, which is fantastic news. Huge. Uh, yeah, I, I really... It's simply overwhelming when I'm trying to, you know, think of the scale of... Particularly the Slack channel, because the majority of the people are in there just... Um, just talking crap about me, basically. Uh, but it's been, it's been fantastic. Uh, we do have a few people that we do need to shout out, so we will get them out of the way to start with. Uh, we've got David Lampert, Luke, Ronnie, Jack, and Mitchell Bourne. Fantastic to all have you on, guys. Um, a lot of those in the Slack channel as well. Uh, pretty much just getting hazed, Pistol, so uh, it's good to see those, um, <laughs> those guys in there. Um, and this week, mate, the Rivalry League kicks off, uh, Pistol. Just talk to us about that. Let everyone know what the Rivalry League is. Oh, the rivalry lead was our uh, top 
tier patrons. So that that actually filled up in I think like 24 hours or something, Chizo. Um, mm. So that's just a league where it's there's there's three teams: Team Pistol, Team JB, and Team Chizo. And uh, we have our handcrafted selected teams. And uh, basically, they <laughs> that's play... further evidence. Further <laughs> evidence that you totally rigged this. You've got a team full of Collingwood supporters. It just happens. That's the way our lady luck works. Handcrafted. And, this, uh... <laughs> see, this is just it's, it, it, the litigation, mate. If we lose by a point in the the grand final, I'm bringing all this up. They play each other well we all play each other throughout the year and if you defeat somebody from an opposition team you get a point and if you play someone from your own team you get a buy just to you know take stock save some trades uh and then yeah hit the opposition hard the next week but uh it's an interesting first week though because there are three matches between team pistol and team chizo members so one of us is going to get off to a really hot start and when i say one of us i mean me uh, well, I think you're completely incorrect there. I think the the main thing is is that Tony is just going to wipe the floor with Chris <laughs> this week. That, that that is the matchup I'm looking at. You know, it's I've a got huge um, matchup. <laughs> I've even got confidence in General Soreness getting over Pistol. So, uh, getting over yourself. So, I, I think this is going to be um, an absolute bloodbath in in terms of Team Pistol. It's just uh, under shaky grounds at the moment. So, um, yeah. I'm I'm glad that I've just got the buy first up. You know, I don't, don't want to ruin people's years before it's begun. If that if that kind of makes sense, <laughs> sense no, pistol. That's all right. I got to lead by example. So uh, yeah, you'll you'll wait and see at the end of the week. There we go. <laughs> um, yeah, so I can't wait for the weeks where you, you me, and JB all um, bounce off each other. Uh, we should also go through um, some cancer council donations. Um, Tommy Newman back in again. Dusty scoring tel- terrible. Trading early to Canelio uh, to admit defeat. Nearly did a JB there. Um, and uh, a couple nice donations for the Cancer Council. We're up to uh, three, uh, 4,364 there, there, mate. It's um, slowly creeping up. We've had some really, really generous people um, helping us with our Cancer Council donation fundraiser. So that's uh, a fantastic initiative there. Uh, Pistol, you must be happy with that. I'm very happy. We had a particularly large donation during the week. So thank you very much, um, Anonymous. And uh, they did say happy to donate to a a great cause and you know well done and that was uh incredibly generous of you and, and do really appreciate it and uh yeah make sure you're in in our inboxes or um yeah emails whatever it may be so that we can uh help you out with some uh, trade ideas throughout the, the season and just on the note to tom he did say that he donated because dusty scored poorly and Canelio outscored him he donated before Canelio played, and Canelio did not <laughs> outscore Dusty. So he's gone early on No that refunds, one. Tommy. No refunds. Um, yeah, no no refunds to the Council Council. So you're stuck with that, and uh, you probably probably aren't even going to be trading in Canelio this week. So um, <laughs> that's taken an interesting turn. Um, but lastly, <laughs> Chizo, there were some more people that forgot got to loophole correctly with the emergencies and they have copped an unfortunate donut uh you know who you are lee and uh you will <laughs> need to uh donate for donuts that's how it works uh, <laughs> that's that's how it works that's, that's that's just what happens so i'm uh, looking forward to some uh yeah other donations uh, in the near future Okay. Uh, well, speaking of uh, forgetting things, Dusty Martin will jump into the scores. Seems to have forgotten how to uh, actually find the ball. Pistol only is 66 this week. Really disappointing for owners, um, especially for Richmond in general, because they just got absolutely spanked by Collingwood. I 
do not see any disappointment in this game. I have no <laughs> idea what you're talking about. It was one of my favourite games. I've seen the last two times we've played Richmond have been like my favourite two games in the last year. So, uh, yeah, this was certainly exciting. And um, Dusty, people, people are going to have problems. Uh, Dustin Martin obviously playing a lot more forward than, I guess, you if you chose him than you had anticipated in the preseason. And it's only going to get worse with that injury to Jack Rewalt as well. So, Cheezer, do you want to tell us a bit about his injury? Oh, well, it's one of those things that um, there's certain Twitter accounts you really shouldn't follow. And a lot of people do follow them, unfortunately. So, like Cheezo it, it, underscore DRSC. <laughs> <laughs> Quick shout out. Thanks, mate. Um, but essentially, uh, from all reports, he's had a undisplaced fracture of his distal radius, um, which is basically the main bone on the thumb side of your wrist. Um, an undisplaced fracture uh, means that the, the, the two fracture parts haven't come apart. So it's relatively stable. It's relatively easy to heal with low complications. So... In, in effect, that means he's going to have a quick turnaround time. Um, he might play with a, a little guard on his arm, uh, potentially, depending on where it was. And he's also had a little bit of ligament damage, which is um, also not to be unexpected. But, but that probably opens the door for someone like a Noah Bolter to come in pistol. Well, I hope so. <laughs> I mean, he can't really do worse than in his first game, uh, especially for my team. So we'll, we'll wait and see on that. But I'm more worried for the Dustin Martin owners because... They might need to play him a little bit more forward to cover, you know, the lack of that extra at all. But there's also rumours that Caddy might come in or might at least play in the VFL. So if he's close to a return, uh, then that might, you know, relieve Dusty of some of that forward line duties. But at the moment, I guess we'll talk about this afterwards, but I'm definitely uh, not certain that the right move here is to uh, continue along with the, the Dustin Martin experiment. Yeah, we'll touch on that a little bit later. Um, another move that was a little bit uh, confusing was trading Brody Grundy to Toby Nankervis. There was 129 coaches that did do that. Nank returning a 78 and Grundy bouncing back with 137 to, to, to top the scores. Although at quarter time, I think he was only on nine points. Pistol was a little bit worrying for those, particularly if you had the VC on there like JB. Yeah, it was panic stations. But yeah, he came home hard and, you know, I think, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I think Collingwood's going to be a very good team led by a very good Ruckerman and he's going to continue scoring really well for the rest of the season. Okay. Well, he's leading the Ruck Brigade. Have you got any midfielders that really caught your eye? We've got some big scores from the likes of Trelaw, Pendlebury and Maine. Uh, who did you like to look of in this game? I know you're watching it pretty closely. <laughs> Everyone scored well on the whole Collingwood side, so it is hard to pick. But really, Trelaw he didn't even have a very high time on ground. 73% time on ground, still managed 135 supercoach points, close to another 40 possessions here. The man is an absolute ball magnet, and this 666 has opened up a lot more space for him. He's hard running, he gets to the right spots. Collingwood is a high possession team in general. So with all that combined, Trelaw is just going to be a really good pick. And even when I think people were a bit concerned that Taylor Adams might come back and disrupt um, that midfield mix. But Trelaw's going to be one of the guys that has the most amount of midfield time out of anyone. So I feel like he's a really safe pick. I mean, people are probably not really trading two primos at the moment, but he's certainly someone that you could consider at least for an early upgrade. 
And you know, there's always those players. Let's take a Lockie Neal, for example, that um, when he scores 100 in Dream Team, he scores 115 in, in Supercoach. And we've known Trelaw to be the other way around because he turns the ball over a lot. Um, but when you look at this game, he's ticked every box. He's had 39 touches, six marks, seven tackles, no freeze against, and four freeze for. He's kicked a goal, 12 contested possessions, only two clangers, and went at 82%, and he's still didn't crack the 150 like it, it it almost looks like he's just one of those players that just doesn't fit into the super coach algorithm as well as someone like a Bontebelli well you're going to get less of the share I guess when Collingwood has over 2,000 points of the you know 3,300 that is true times. that is true so the scaling is going to be a little bit funky I think even for other players that had absolutely monster games they also look a little bit poor in super coach wise yeah, they've almost doubled the amount of Supercoach points that the Tigers got. And in fact, the, the highest score was Jaden Short with 91. That's, um, I, I guess the score line is actually a little bit flattering that they um, the, it was 110 to 66. So yep. um, that pretty much finishes that game off. We'll go into the next one. Sydney Swans and the Adelaide Crows. There's plenty of talking points on both sides. I guess we should start with the first one is that Heaney a little bit underwhelming again. Ooh, that, this is point of contention especially all over the Twitterverse um, Heaney just not quite up to scratch at the moment they said today uh, Horse said that Heaney's been struggling with an ankle injury and with an 8 day break um, that will allow some time for, to recover and it's it, it didn't make it seem like he's going to be fully recovered they did say he will recover you know over the coming weeks so this, this ankle seems to be lingering a bit and might be affecting him more than we uh, you know, anticipated when we selected him in going into round one. But I think the problem for me was he he's still not playing as a full-time midfielder, which is, uh, I guess, a bit underwhelming. But he is such a good forward that I don't think he'll ever play as a full-time midfielder. It was more the fact that he did play more midfield than I think some people realized. So watching the game, he definitely had a large chunk of midfield time. Um, or at least he was playing forward, running back towards the midfield and just wasn't anywhere near the ball and wasn't getting it so there is danger signs there I guess we'll we'll lump him in with the dusty category and, and talk about that at the end of the teams I, I, I think the most surprising thing with me was when we were talking about it um, behind closed doors and JB said how, hold on, you guys knew he had an ankle injury in the JLT and he didn't tell me. Like, <laughs> he was to- <laughs> totally unawares. And, like, we spent, like, I reckon we spent two days, like, back and forth trying to figure out if it was worth starting him after his ankle injury. I don't know how it went over his head. Um, <laughs> but someone that did get the ball keep continually going over their head was Matt Crouch. Pistol, I'm starting to improve these segues tonight. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> um, he, just the middle part of the game, he was just playing ping pong. Over The amount of times I was watching this and just seeing him, you know burning the roof of his mouth looking up to see the ball go straight over the top it was just so frustrating having him in my side just not getting anywhere near the ball. Yeah, well, it's a small ground and yeah, they were, they were pinging it past him but it was all about his brother in this match. Uh, those Brad Crouch owners would have been very happy but the funny part was Matt basically disappeared in the second and third quarter and Brad was on fire for the first three and then Matt just came home um, like a wet sail and, and dominated the last quarter and got up to 96 super coach points and Brad barely scored at all in the last quarter which is a bit disappointing because it looked like he was going to go absolutely massive but all of Sloan, Crouch and Crouch um, have scored well this season so far so it's if you started any of them I, I think you would be happy Chizo. 
Yeah, and they all had the mid-20s in disposals. No one really got off the chain. Um, for Matt Crouch to only have 24, Brad 26, Rory 23, um, they were just a little bit more effective, particularly around the contest. They were really, really great um, in close. I know um, between them they had 15 clearances, so um, that really accounted for a lot of them. Um, we should talk about Jake Lloyd as well. He just seems to be going under the radar about how well he's uh, his started the season. He's almost a VC option pistol. He's just a seagull. <laughs> I said it last week and I'll say it again. They look to get the ball into his hands just at almost any circumstance. You see a, a, a key tall take a mark down back, Lloyd will just run around the back, get the little handball, and then he'll boot at 55 metres. The key tall could have kicked at 55 metres, but nope, they'll pass it to Jake Lloyd every time. And just because of that, he's able to accumulate possessions so quickly, and you know, particularly out of nowhere. I think he had like a 50-point last quarter, um, and that was just the game is a bit tight. They put the ball into his hand every single time, and it's just bulk points and I, I really don't see if you haven't if you haven't got Jake Lloyd I wouldn't trade you know someone that was performing to him but if you had someone like Cade Simpson um, it would be awfully tempting to make a switch uh, to Jake Lloyd just with how both of those players are tracking this season I, I can't really see a time Jake Lloyd's going to have a game where he's sub, sub 100 but while you wait for that and wait for him to drop in price you're going to be missing out on so many points yeah, agreed. Uh, Brody Smith was good with 97. That's more about what we were hoping. Um, he had a solid week one, but week two was um, really, really good. Um, Jake Lloyd's counterpart that a lot of people were, you know, vying off for that D1 position was Rory Laird. He copped the uh, George Hewitt tag this week, and that's two underwhelming weeks that we've got from Laird. He's, he's only returned, uh, what have we got? scores of 102 and 98 which is not terrible but a little bit underwhelming for what you would expect for what you probably outlaid for him so um, one to keep uh, an eye on particularly if you don't have him because he's going to be a really good upgrade target by the looks of it Pistol which is kind of what we assumed would happen at the start of the year. Yeah we'll, we'll just you know if you don't have him just grab him later the, the fixture eases up for Crows in a couple of weeks as well so um, they'll be flying soon and you know they, they've just a team that everyone scores well so it's not it's not great, but it's at least you're going to get a, a defender that's able to score consistent 90s, which or, you know 90 plus, which is awfully difficult to say about pretty much any other um, defender besides Jake Lloyd. Yeah, we'll jump into the next game. We'll run over it as quickly as we can because it is painful to my soul. Essendon and St Kilda, uh, a closer game than it probably should have been in the end, uh, with the Saints getting over the line. Merritt started slowly pistol, but he came back for 108. So, uh, again, another player that's been slightly underwhelming to start the year. Um, again, only putting up 67 in the first round. Uh, but about halfway through the second quarter, it looked like he wasn't even going to crack 50. <laughs> well, how do you? what do you make of Zach Merritt? So should owners be worried, or like, what would you do if you were in their shoes? I, I think all this talk of Heaney and Dusty and Mundy, I don't think Merritt's talked about enough. I think... If you don't have Matt Crouch, I think it's a really, really um, tempting proposition. Um, maybe someone's looking at doing a Rocky or someone like that, but I, I think that for me, 
Zach Merritt is more frustrating than what Dusty is because you know that Dusty is just going to get off the train and do a 150 when they actually put him in the midfield for more than 20% in a game. Whereas Merritt should be running around racking up touches, but he's just not. He just seems to be not impacting the ball. He gets a lot of cheap stuff on the outside, and he got 23 touches this game, but it just wasn't as an impact an impactful game as what I was hoping for him. I think um, potentially Shield has forced him a little bit more on the outside than what I'd hoped. And I think the biggest concern would be people that paid, you know, 520, 30K for uh, Devin Smith. And he's, he's only returned another 78 this week. Uh, what, what would you do if you, you owned him? I think the important thing that uh, we've just talked about, uh, Shield, that was maybe impacting Merritt. It's also important to note that Jack Steele was running alongside Zach Merritt. It wasn't a hard tag, but it was definitely um, going to him at the contest. With uh, Dev Smith, he's quite clearly, um, as an Essendon supporter watching the game, I can tell you for a fact that he's playing a lot more mid-time in comparison to what he was last year. It may not be half and half, but there's a percentage that he's playing forward that I don't think he had last year. I think um, this year we were surprised he kept his forward DPP, put it that way, whereas in 2019... We wouldn't be surprised at all if he kept his uh, 2020. He, if he kept his DPP, we wouldn't be surprised at all. That's how much more time he's spending forward in my eyes, Pistol. So, um, and he's never been a huge accumulator. I think last year he only averaged low twenties disposals and made it all up in tackles. So if he's not around the ball, he's not getting tackles. He's also missing out on the few touches that he, he does get. It's it's really really painful um, for those super coach owners. And a 78 this week is just not good enough. So. I think it's a pretty clear trade in your eyes. I know you don't want to trade primos, but honestly, I'm not sure Devin th- Smith is going to finish in the top six to ten forwards, and he's very expensive. So I think that's a correction at this stage. Yeah, from from what I've seen, um, I, I think that's the role that they're going to be implementing. I know that he does run through the midfield. Um, but a goal in 19 disposals and seven tackles is pretty much his his optimum output or his maximum output for the amount of time he's spending forward. And let's face it, Bombers have issues. So yep. who knows what's going to happen after this as well, if they're going to spiral, if they're going to bounce back. There's just, yeah, I wouldn't want to be owning any Essendon players. But let's look at the Saints side because there's some promising signs um, over here. Namely, Matty Parker... He doesn't seem to be one of those uh, accumulated type plays, but he's definitely an impact type player. Every time he touches the ball, he gets, you know, eight points. So he ends up with 89 um, super coach points, all from just 11 touches, Chizo. Yeah, and only one goal. I think that's the important thing. Like, we kind of expected him to be similar to a, a Burgess where he had to kick three or four to actually put up a score. He's done this from one goal, which is, you know the big thing and the five tackles they've got him working hard as a, a pressure forward as well which is really good um, for his scoring potential because um, he's not just looking to get out the back and take a sneaky mark and kick a goal he's hunting the ball carrier when it's in the forward line and that's the exact role you want from a cash cow in, in terms of our forward line so um, I, I don't think he's going to be scoring in the high 80s um, for an extended period of time um, but right now he's going to be a fantastic cash generator and probably one of the better ones for the year. Yeah, and let's take everything with Saints with a grain of salt because at the moment they are winning games and yeah. uh, you know whilst they may win again next week, I think after that uh, they, they have played possibly the bottom three sides of this year. So let's let's 
keep that in mind. And, you know, players like Jack Noons, who have played entirely in the midfield and scored two scores in the mid-80s, I, I would be um, not so surprised if they fell away a little bit. Same as Billings as well, two scores in the 80s. Uh, as soon as the opposition gets a bit harder, I would not be surprised at all if their their scoring, you know, started to fade away a little. Yeah, I mean, twenty eight touches from Jack Billings. He had five clangers as well. Like he's just chugging along. Worst case scenario becomes F six, F seven. I wouldn't be flicking him. I think like surely you've got worse things to deal with. No, I wouldn't quite... flick him. But I'd just yeah. be realistic about where he's going to end up at the end of the day. Yeah, um, agreed with that. Um, w- is um, I, I guess we should uh, should talk about Nunes. Is he back? I think the role that he had um, from a couple of seasons ago, where he was playing as a pure midfielder, is now available to him. Last year, he just looked you know quite terrible last year, honestly. But yeah, he, he's he's definitely got that um, midfield role, a bit more fantasy friendly. He only went at fifty six disposal efficiency and still ended with an eighty three. He's only 360k, so he's quite cheap as well. Um, I guess if you if Toby Green were to miss, it's someone you could kind of possibly look at. Um, I'm not sure if he's the best option. There's obviously others around that place. Even, even Rowan Marshall Chizo, um, he's 340k. First game of the season, obviously Lewis Pierce was dropped and Marshall went straight into the ruck. 114 super coach points. How do you see Rowan Marshall as kind of a, a sneaky pick? Well, he went stupid good in JLT two as well. Like yep. I, I'm, I'm actually kind of surprised that he wasn't picked in round one. I think um, he's a little bit of a, a lighter body, but he, he, when you look at him, he looks like one of those young key forwards, kind of like uh, what a Paddy McCartan um, sort of looked like in his first couple of years. But he does have that size. He, I think he's got the mentality to play in the ruck, uh, and he doesn't mind the contest as well. He's got 13 contested possessions. Um, from his 15 touches. So uh, he gets in and has a crack as well, which is, is good to see. I really wouldn't be surprised if he uh, he scores well this year, but I think it would take a lot to um, a, a lot of a, a lot of guts to pick him if you, you were flicking someone like a Toby Green. If only he had DPP. Like, if he was a ruck forward, I think so many more people would be interested in him. But when he's just mm. a forward, it, it just kind of kills it um, for, for most of us, I think. Um, how about you take us through the next game, Chizo? Yeah, Port and Carlton. Another good game. Uh, Carlton really put it up to us. Um, a lot of good Port players. Uh, we should uh, talk about their rookies uh, just to start with. Hippistol. Their rookies were, were fantastic. Um, Dersma and Butters um, and even uh, Drew was, were, were great. And even a, a, a Connor Rose of uh, 85. Um, these Port rookies are just fantastic. And I just I, I have to say, I'm never judging a Port rookie again because I, yeah, <laughs> I, I thought that they'd be an in-and-out kind of proposition. They can't drop them right now. They cannot drop them because <laughs> they're, they're so just good. so integral to the team. And they're going just insanely well. And on top of that, you've got Jack Watts with that horrible injury and you've got um, Carl Ammon as well just you know, getting badly injured. So we've now got just spots available in the Port team permanently for these rookies, and they're all playing so well. So I can't see them getting dropped anytime soon, which is obviously Supercoach Gold. Um, but talking about Supercoach Gold, Chizo, Tom Rockliffe, talk to me. What are you thinking? I'm thinking that at halftime when he was on 90, I was really, really panicking. But the fact that he finished on 116 was the kind of the thing that I took away the most. 
So it, high, it highlighted to me the potential for Rocky to be big in quarters and just completely go missing in others. <laughs> we we do <laughs> you are, we are looking at it from a position of we don't own Rockliffe, so there's a little bit of bias in there. We've got to point out though he played ninety four percent time on ground. So he's clearly over any sort of fitness issues that he'd had prior in you know last season. That that's over. You look, he's had twelve clearances. He's had nineteen contested possessions from his thirty-seven. Geez, I'm going to say Rockliffe is well and truly back. And if you have a player in the midfield, such as a Dusty, that is underperforming, and you can free up a hundred and fifty k for Tom Rockliffe. When everything is pointing that he's back, I would be incredibly, incredibly tempted right now. Well, how many times do you have to pick a person and have them burn you before you learn your lesson? One more than however many I've picked Rockcliffe. <laughs> <laughs> so you're going to go one more time? If if I chose a midfielder that was underperforming, I would. All of my... Jeez, my M7 is averaging 98, so... I don't really have a, I don't have an option to get Rockcliffe this year, um, which is very unfortunate or fortunate. I'm not really sure <laughs> how I'm describing this situation, but it's just it's not for me. But if I had the opportunity, I think I would strongly consider taking it. Well, I kind of said, and because I've been burnt by him before, and particularly I was burnt. I think I've been burnt two years in a row. I can't help but look at it with rose-colored glasses and just see the bad come out of it. You know yeah, what I mean? Like he's he, so he, biased. He, he was on eighty-seven at half time, which is just insane. You think I've got to get on, and he finished on one hundred and fifteen. Yeah, he, so he, got, they... he got he got he got six points, six five points in the last quarter. So they they tagged him after half time as well because he was that damaging and. Well, it's, think... take, it's taken him until... He's, he's played six quarters in 2019 and they're already smashing him with a hard tag. <laughs> I mean, so, there's so, so many are, players are, are that they... they can tag from Port. I mean, Wines is going to come back as well. Not you're not the... going to tag Wines. No, they're not going to tag Wines, but it's an extra body around the midfield that they can use to take out the tagger. <laughs> Old Wines attracts it like a magnet, kicks it like a fridge. No, that he's a big body that they can put some extra pressure on the tagger around the ball. You've, when you've got these... You've got... Pal Pepper, and you've got Boken, you have uh, Rocky and Wines in the midfield. Good luck. Like, that tag <laughs> is going to get beaten the crap out of. Yeah. Uh, it's an interesting one. Uh, I would I would be taking the Rockcliffe risk if, again, if I, I'm in the same situation as you are. I don't have anyone in the midfield that's uh, underperforming enough that I feel like I need to trade them out. I don't have any sort of, you know, potentially if I had... Uh, Toby Green and I could swing some DPP but I just can't at this stage because I don't have those links open so I can't get him but uh, if you had say a Zeret or uh, a Dusty or someone like that I, I wouldn't be mind I wouldn't mind taking that punt because it does look like he's back to, uh, he's back do you agree with that? I mean yeah that's, that's pretty much summarizing what I said so I hope I agree but I did want to talk about the people that did trade in the Hoff after the first week when he went massive um 47, 47 this week. I think that's a stark reminder of probably don't 
chase points with the premiers, especially ones where you didn't select them in the preseason, mostly because of a role that they still have. Like you, you weren't selecting Westhoff because of his role or because of his price, because you thought the impacts of you know Lysett coming to the side would, would be a, a lot and take a lot of his points away. And now that just happened. He played on the wing and the ball was played through the corridor and he couldn't get near it and he played forward and he couldn't get near it. And this is what's going to happen. He's going to be thrown all over the ground and he's going to have bad games and he's going to have good games. But yeah, don't you got to be careful with chasing. Yeah, we should talk about um, Lysette as well. 167. Um, my mate Rainman has requested a specific segment of the podcast, but we should just uh, just mention him briefly. It's not a bad score. <laughs> I mean, do we forget about his round one where he scored in the 60s? <laughs> look, I don't want to mention that. I don't want to make him feel bad. <laughs> I mean, look, he has DPP, which is handy, but at the same time, check out that round one score. Let's see how he's going. We'll revisit the Lysett, you know, around the buy times, and if he's still scoring well, you can... That Port Adelaide have the first buy, you can downgrade to him and use him for the rest of the buys if needed. Well, he's one of the highest averaging ruckmen so far this year, so it, it's paid off to this point. On the Carlton side of things, Paddy Cripps was great with 116, and uh, Sammy Walsh, after copping a lot of flack from his round one score in the 60s, a solid 83 is more uh, to, to what we expect because he's just got that pedigree. He just finds the ball so frequently, and another 25 disposals in just his second game. Uh, we really can uh, count on this guy. Another 52% by f- Disposal efficiency, though. So he's had two games with really low It's uncharacteristic from him as well. I think maybe yeah. it's just the speed of AFL. He's just maybe taking some time to kind of build up to it. Yeah, you'd expect someone with his quality is going to you know, push above 70% disposal efficiency. And once he does that, he's, he's only getting better, Cheezo, which is a scary part. He's already averaging 80. The, the kid's going to be an absolute machine. Um, another player that we briefly touched on, Kate Simpson. Is this a correctional trade as well? Well, he's got no sleeves, Pistol. How can you expect him to score with no sleeves? I can't. That's why I'm I'm asking. I, I've I've never seen him play without sleeves. He's trying to. He's just trying something new in 2019. It's just not working. Cade, put the sleeves back on. I don't care if it's 40 degrees. The problem I think we have with judging Cade Simpson is, I think it was last year he had something like seven scores under 70 and. Ten scores above no seven scores above one hundred and twenty, and there was just a large gap between. There was there was he didn't score between seventy and like one hundred and twenty points, and he's had two very average scoring games. But is he now going to go on a streak of massive scores? Like, is this the time we should be buying him? Uh, it's it's a hard one to judge, but certainly, you've paid five hundred and seventy k for Kate Simpson for this returns. I'd be strongly considering at least seeing what other problems you have in your side and if you have no problems then you might need to take a closer look at what to do with Cade. I'm concerned that Nick Newman is actually being detrimental to his role to a much greater extent than we thought Pistol. Uh, Definitely that is a concern I mean Nick Newman himself scoring just an 82 uh, it's it could be hurting both of them they might take it we thought they could take it in turn scoring well but neither of them scored well this week barely anyone in there was only two tons in the whole Carlton side as well so um, yeah, I think we just need a bit more data, a bit more sample size to be able to make a, a decision on this one, Chizo. Yeah. Um, Gibbons uh, started well and finished on 56. We're happy with that. Setterfield was the man that they sent to Rockliffe to curb his influence. And the fact that he did such a good job 
is that going to impact his scoring potential? Because by the looks of it, he's unable to gather the ball when he's so focused on stopping his opponent from getting it. I think it will be uh, opponent-specific, so we'll just have to yeah, wait and see on that one. Yeah, okay. Um, that pretty much wraps up Port and Carlton. The Geelong and Dees game, this was so far and beyond what I thought was going to happen. I actually tipped the Dees. That's really? what kind of... I, I thought they were a really, really good chance to go down to Geelong and really give it a big, big shake. I thought that... Um, the, their big guns in the midfield in Gorn, Oliver and Brayshaw would, you know, bust out and and really kind of show that round one was an aberration. And it's almost gone the opposite direction. I'm just so surprised that the fact that they did do well and then the team did so poorly, there's just such a disconnect. Uh, I don't think I've seen that with Melbourne uh, since they've started building this side into a, a finals contender. I, I've definitely seen this scoreline down in Geelong before <laughs> yeah but that was this a different is not the team first you time. have to admit that's a completely different <laughs> no it team. is it is a different team but this this score and i looked at it and for a second i'm like oh yeah that makes sense and i'm like hang on wait no melbourne are good right and now i'm i'm very confused um but there was some massive scores in this game which is funny because you'd expect them to be from geelong given they won by 80 points but it was really just dangerfield's 154 and then the next two highest scores were Melbourne players, so that is quite ridiculous. Obviously, uh, Clayton Oliver with 141 and, and Brayshaw with 124. Um, so I think the biggest talking point of this match is Tim Kelly and his 20 contested possessions. He only, I say only scored 111, but it's very clear that he's going to be a top six midfielder for this season. He's played two games almost entirely in the midfield. He's racking the ball up at will, And if you're getting 20 contested possessions as a forward, you're going to end up being one of the top scoring forwards. Just that's that's the way this game works, Chizo. Yeah, and 10 clearances as well and a one goal too. So the scary thing is it could have been even better. Yeah. Yeah, so there's no doubt that he is going to be uh, we thought that he might be swapping a little bit of time with uh, Sam Menegola. Tim Kelly, 86% time on ground. Sam Menegola, only the 74% time on ground. It's clear that um, Menegola is playing a little bit more across half forward. Uh, it, he seems to be building that fitness base that um, he didn't quite have in the JLT. Do you think that impacts Tim Kelly long term, or you just a, he's just a full bona fide 100% midfielder now on? I don't think Menegola will impact Tim Kelly. Menegola hasn't... He's, he's been playing in the midfield as well. It's just he's clearly working his way into fitness because he was a touch-and-go for round one and only had 66% time on ground in the first week. And now 74%. He's someone that would usually play mid-80s. So he's working into it. I, I don't think it's a role thing. It's just a time on ground thing, getting back used to it. But Tim Kelly, when you're playing this well, you're, you're pl- going to be playing in the guts. And it's only a matter of time before he starts getting tagged. And that is my biggest concern that they end up putting someone on him um, you know, every week and I don't really know how he's going to cope with that. So that's something I'm going to watch. Um, hopefully, I'm, I'm thinking it, it's tough because you, you want him to be tagged so he can drop in price but at the same time, if it works so well, more teams are going to do it and then you're not going to want him. So um, it's tough at the moment but he's certainly on track to be a top three forward this season. 
Yeah. Uh, Charlie Constable proving that we should always be playing him on our field. 31 <laughs> disposals, a goal, 16 contested possessions, and second highest amount of clearances for Geelong with seven only behind Tim Kelly. Uh, he has the role. Like it's official now. We shouldn't be. Um, if you benched him this week, I don't. I think that's the last time you're going to be benching him. Nope. Jordan Clark was great again uh, with 66 uh, in Supercoach, and on uh, the Melbourne side of things, Gorn was back to his best with 116 pistol. Yep, this is what we kind of expected. A big, you know, bounce back from last week. 53 hitouts, which is huge. I think he. Could have possibly gone a little bit better. He had 53 touches. I think maybe it was, well, I shouldn't say maybe, it was definitely because of the scoreboard. Um, that's the only reason he, he, I'd say, only scored 116. You put this into a close match and the guy's gone going 150. So Gorn is well and truly back. Um, I have no stress at all about our rock combos of, of Gorn and Grundy. I think that's... You know, going forward, they're going to clearly be the number two ruckman. So um, it's all smiles on on this end, Chizo. Yeah, and uh, it's really nice to see his kick to handball ratio is uh, thirteen kicks and zero handballs. He, he's really he tried his best to make up for his round one supercoach score. <laughs> he's he's definitely doing us a favour, Chizo. <laughs> uh, we should talk about Stephen May limping off in the second quarter. Um, he, it's already been announced that he's going to miss this round against the Bombers. Uh, does that make way for Marty Hall, do you think, Pistol? I don't think that Hall will return, but also okay. I wouldn't be surprised if he did return. So yeah, just I'm, cover I'm all hoping... bases. I like it. <laughs> I, I, I don't think he'll come in. I think they'll they'll bring in... Oh, I didn't even know, actually. Now that I'm thinking about it. You did put me on the spot. There, there was a lot of very... Well, I'll change my answer. I think there's a good chance Hall comes in. I don't know if it's going to be for May. I think they're going to make a couple of changes. Um, I did watch Cade Koldashny play an entire game in the midfield and have five <laughs> possessions, literally five possessions. So he might need some time in the VFL um, as well. So that I, I think after a thumping like that, it's not just going to be one change. So... He could come in this week. I'm hoping he comes in, obviously, as an owner. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll wait and see for team news and not try and you know get all caught up predicting the, the squads. Sure. We'll jump into the next game. It's the Eagles and the Giants. The uh, reigning premiers getting their season off and running with their first win. Um, Sheed tunned up again, Pistol. Do we just believe... Is this when we believe in the hype? He's gone 100-plus again. It was kind of just a hundred. It wasn't anything more, which makes me think: Do I really need to get Dom Sheed? Probably not. It was just a hundred, which is very dangerous because obviously he could score one hundred and twenty for the next ten weeks in a row, and I've, you know, given up on him because he scored just one hundred. But at the end of the day, we didn't think he would be a top ten midfielder, which is why we're not, you know, moving heaven and earth to get him. I still think Rocky will outscore him, which is, you know, why I'd prefer him, and they're almost at the same price. I still think he'll go around 105, but it's just not enough um, that it will end up being a worthwhile selection for us, Chizo. Okay. Well, Elliot Yo was a unique selection that a lot have picked in the midfield. Two poor, well, not poor, just slightly unders, um, the scores that he's contributed so far in 2019. But he had 10 clangers pistol. It's like he's, he's doing his best James Sicily impression. He had seven frees against, which is actually insane. But yeah, this, this guy was... You know, take away the clangers, he gets 120. So I don't think you really need to worry too much, except for the fact of how effective the tag was. But 
you know, Gaff will be back and he also cops some attention. So uh, I wouldn't be too stressed about it. The person I'd be worried about if you owned, um, which I do, getting a tag was Canelio. Got absolutely destroyed mm. by the Hutchings tag, which is proven to be, you know, a very effective tag. But only the 52 super coach points and, you know, ruining my week as, in, as well. You'd hope that Kelly will return this week. And when Kelly plays, you'd also hope Kelly is the one to get the tag, right? Well, Kelly's really going to help him because he always scores well with Kelly um, in the side. And you'd be more likely to try and curb Kelly's influence than Cornelio's. Yeah, so I'm hoping this was the first and last time we get a uh, Cornelio tag for the season. So um, fingers crossed Kelly does return because I think that will will actually help him. That will help um, Green, who also I hope is back because when you have Kelly hitting you, um, you know, lace out you, you're going to be kicking some goals as well um just overall very poor for the gws side just whitfield playing in the midfield um hey that, that rhymes kind of uh, 123 super coach points and he is looking like he's going to be a good pick but again i can't help but shake the feeling there's a poor score coming in at some stage and i'll be able to get him cheaper but again that could be completely wrong yeah, I don't think I still don't think he's going to hurt you. I think he's along the lines of Laird, where he's just that really consistent um, accumulator that is just going to score well. I think he's. I'm becoming more confident that he's going to be a top ten, top six defender. Uh, but I just don't think that um, he's going to hurt you if you don't chase him down early in the season to to get him into your side. Uh, you did mention that you were hoping that Green would come back as well as uh, Josh Kelly this week. I want Green to come back just for the fact that they stop putting Zach Williams in the forward line. <laughs> what on earth was he doing there? I don't know what they're doing. I'm not sure if Finlayson playing back is affecting him, but it was. it's very frustrating when we saw Whitfield play in the forward line and, and Williams back in the preseason. And we're like, okay, well, we're not going to pick Whitfield because he's playing in the forward line. And then Whitfield's playing in the midfield and Zach Williams is in the forward line. I'm like, what's going on here? So, yeah, hopefully uh, we can get Green back and... W- Zach Williams goes straight back into the back line taking the kick out. So that would be uh, excellent. Thanks. Well, it's interesting because the three coaches from teams that give us frustrations, which is the Dogs with Beveridge, it's Sydney with Horse, um, and it's Simpson at West Coast where players are just playing roles inexplicably on different weeks, all come from Clarko. Is he the one to blame for this? Well... Blame or become a genius coach. It's one of the two things, right? <laughs> Something else that was genius, Pistol, was Petrocelli's goal. Did you get end up catching that? I did end up seeing it, and he. we knew he was a Ferrari. He's got the jets. But my God, was he quick. Like, I knew he I knew he had the fastest 20-meter um, sprint time in his, uh, his draft year, but he is sharp across the turf. <laughs> Do you want to just describe what happened to those that missed it? Okay, so he was defensive side of the ball. It's uh, been uh, hit to a, kicked to a pack at centre wing. He's uh, gathered the ball uh, or handed it off to him. I can't quite remember. And in the space of about ten seconds, has made it to thirty metres out, and everyone has just completely given up with chasing him. <laughs> and he's just put it back into second gear, just cruised through the fifty metre arc, lined up the goals, had a quick look around. There's no one to pass it off to, and just slots it from thirty thirty five. He's just freakishly quick. Like his skills, I think I I was a little bit worried he might be in and out of the side this year. But you know, just from that, I think his importance is that that speed, that overlap, that he can get um, the ball over the back and 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 you know run into space. I think he's going to be really important for them this year. And I can't really stress enough that he was 
at the back of that pack and everyone <laughs> had a lead on him and he still got to the loose ball first, gathered Stupid it. Stupid quick. And then, he, as you said, you just look back and there's like no one around and it's like, ah, oh, well, they just didn't try because they got nowhere near catching him. He was so fast. Um, so yeah, that, that was a bit exciting. But yeah, take us through the next game, Cheezo. Okay. Uh, Ruse and Lions. This is when everything kind of went in the meltdown. The man, the main frame was nuked. All the scores went down and total <laughs> hell broke loose. The amount of inboxes I got for an update on the live scores. Because I think people think that we do the scores. Yeah. I, I, I legitimately think that that's what happened. No, we just Don't pass we? on the scores to you guys. No. Are you sure? <laughs> no. I thought, well, I thought you make up the scores for every player of every round. <laughs> well, it, yeah, that's why I'm in the top 500. Um <laughs> But the the one good thing that came out of this is people were asking, oh, what do you think Neil would get? And I said, no, he's on track for a 140. Boom, 140. You don't even need Supercoach Stats Pistol. Just ask me. <laughs> just, I guess that's how you've started the season well. Because you've just, <laughs> any time, like, what do you think this player will get? Just accurate. So you've nailed your captaincy choices. You've nailed the rookie choices. Um, yeah, I might need to ask you for some advice this week. We'll, we'll talk off air. Yeah, the shoe's on the other foot. It is, for once. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Lions look to have the running for the entire game. I did get to, uh, get to catch this one pistol, but they just couldn't get it done. They just weren't um, a little bit like the, the, the dogs against um, the Hawks in the first half, which we'll touch on in the next game. They just weren't making use of that forward entries that they were getting, and it only really came to fruition in the last kind of quarter, quarter and a half, where they really kind of spread and outrun North. North play a really contested game style, and so they were trying to keep everything compact and not let the McCluggages and the Berries get on the outside, but once they did, they really started to cut them up, and Brisbane are looking really, really good this year. Um, if you started Neil Pistol, it would be really, really happy he's a gun i think uh yeah we said lock in neil and i don't think with either one of the three of us started him this season so mm. yeah that's a that's a, a poor decision i guess but he's looking unreal like he's he's easily going to be you know top eight midfielder yeah oh, well i was uh, that position in my midfield i was choosing between oliver Canelio and neil and after round one i was panicking round two i'm feeling a little bit okay uh but i still do um kind of had that little bit of FOMO about not having Neil in there because he's just so consistent and I think he is going to go to the next level in 2019. We should talk about LDU, uh, Luke Davies, Uniac, 118. That kind of, um, you know, good pedigree, high draft pick, inside ball-winning midfielders uh, starting to come to uh, fruition with 15 contested uh, possessions from his 26 disposals. It's just starting to blossom as that midfielder that uh, North Melbourne hoped he would become. 197k as well because people are not sure they know how cheap he is. He has a break even of negative 83, so he's also projected to make 66k this week. So he scored 80 in the first week, 118 this week, and he's looking like he's going to be a decent scorer. But my, I think the issue we get at the moment, Cheese, is people are playing, are trading, playing rookies to him, um, and not only that, they have to pay more for him so for example a lot of people are asking us uh, should we be trading Atkins so Tom Atkins to um, LDU and that's going to cost you 80k in itself to get there and then on top of that you've burnt a trade and yes LDU might make more cash than Atkins but you've had to pay the 80k and use a trade in the meantime and most likely I mean not most likely but it's possible 
you're you're not even going to play LDU. You might be playing your Butters. You might be playing your Constable on the field with your Walsh as well. So you have to weigh up, is it actually worth getting him in? Because you might just be better off saving that trade and making your money with uh, someone like Atkins, but just making it a little bit slower. Yeah, and and not so much that. Like, you, you are making it slower, but you don't need as much from the player. So if LDU has a bad week, his money or his cash generation has tanked. He, he needs that score out of his three-round average to you know start generating that cash again because he's he, he could even potentially lose a bit of money because he's that elevated price with Atkins at 113k he's going to make 50k this week just scoring mid 50s you know you don't need anything more than just that base kind of 10 possessions a game same with Gibbons they're just going to tick along making you know 100k in the first six rounds maybe 150 by round nine and that's all you need from you whereas LDU you really need to be putting up. 80s on a consistent basis with no poor scores in there that kill his cash generation. And that's the thing that worries me most. Not that people want to get him in and burn a trade, you know, for, for more potential cash, but the fact that you could end up with him in your side and then for a three-round period, his score is just completely stunted until he gets a poor score out of there. And talking, I mean, I think you said the worst-case scenario is when they, they stop making money, but how about Bailey Scott with a score of 24 Worst case scenario is uh, he doesn't make any money and he gets dropped before his third game, Chizo. Well, the good thing is that North are electing to play him over some of their... You know, it's got to the point where we've got people asking, why isn't Paul Hearn in the team? Uh, why is Dumont not playing? Why is this and that? They're and electing... Yeah. Yeah, they're electing to pick him because they know he's good for their side, and they almost made the finals this year. So they're not like they're not a, get, handing out games right now. He's earning them. So it's not uncommon to see a first year player have a poor game like this. Um, but we shouldn't have high expectations on him. So um, he is going to have a poor game. But when, with that said, they do have some guys to come in, and uh, particularly off the back of such a poor performance from him. Um, I think his spot may be in jeopardy this week. It's looking highly likely that he does get dropped. If that happens, Chizo, would you trade him to a player that is named for their third match? So let's say Gibbons. Maybe some people pass on Gibbons. Would you be trading someone like Bailey Scott to Gibbons? Uh, I I probably wouldn't be trading him to Gibbons because Gibbons is a slow burn as well. Same with Tom Atkins. If you've missed out of one of say, a Constable or a Butters, uh, maybe a Walsh, um, that's a little bit more expensive, but say you've missed out on one of those three, I would be um, prioritising them. If you've missed out on an Atkins or a Gibbons, I probably wouldn't worry too much, um, particularly if you've got the rest of your midfield bench, just because I think trades are so important, and at the start of the year, it's so easy just to go, well, it's round three, I'd better do two corrective trades, when you get to round 17, you think, damn, that one trade that I burnt just because I was bored, I wish I had that right now. I feel like it's one of those situations. I feel like he's going to get you know, maybe six or seven games still before his buy. So he's still going to make you cash. I don't think he's going to be a Brett Eddy that plays two games and then doesn't play for the rest of the year. I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that, Chizo. <laughs> Oh, what's your thoughts? Talk to me about that. Obviously, there's difference difference of opinion. I have Bailey Scott at... Um, M9, well, based on his scoring uh, and his average, but I'm not at this stage moving him on. 
So I also do think he will play games, but if he plays games after the bye, it doesn't really matter because your team's fully upgraded by then. So you really need players that are going to be playing pre-buy and they're going to go up in value. And if Scott just got a 24, he's even though he got 100 in the first round, that's only in his cycle, his price rise cycle, for one week before it gets knocked off. And if you have a 24 in your three-game average, it really does stunt the amount of cash that you can make. So if he's already going to be on slow cash and he gets drops this week, then you probably do make an extra 100K by trading him to someone like a Michael Gibbons just because Gibbons looks like he'll hold his spot in the side you know, until the buy or whatever, six weeks at least, and he will make you know, 120, 130K. Um, and you might just avoid Scott taking 10 weeks to even get there. Yeah, no, I, I, I can agree with that. I can. I think that the thing is that um, they both are probably going to be slow burns. Same with, let's throw Atkins into the conversation. Those three um, particularly may be slow burns for the next month or two months on their cash generation. But the thing is you're probably going to get it a lot faster with Atkins and Gibbons, so it allows you to upgrade quicker. Uh, it's just it, whether that trade is you know, super important for you at this stage of the season. I'm just, I'm a little bit kind of half and half. Like, I, I don't think, um, like, it's going to be super essential. Like, I mean, potentially you might have missed out on a Xavier Dersma. He's got defensive mid eligibility um, that you can pro- potentially swing him into your, into your midfield and pick him up that way. Yeah, that, that would be a good move. But I, I do want to talk about another, I guess we'll call him cash cow, a bit more expensive um, he does play for Brisbane, though. Lincoln McCarthy, 240K. He's got an 84 this week and an 86 last week. Uh, do you see him as a potential you know, viable cash cow? I mean, yes and no. I, I, I think I've got preconceived notions. That, like, I, I remember Lincoln McCarthy. He's not a first-year drafter. He's been around a while. And the first thing that jumps out is injury history. The second thing that jumps out is he plays more of a small forward kind of role. But in, in Brisbane, he's actually kind of playing a lead-up, marking, you know, pushing into the, you know, um, the, the contest if there's like a, a another bounce on the wing or something like that. He's kind of playing a really good role and it's helping his scoring. I think he's um, mid-80s average. He's um, kicked a bag of goals both weeks, which is really going to help. And I think that the fact that the Brisbane... Um, have a decent run before the buy as well probably means that he's going to you know score higher and help with his cash generation so I don't actually mind that too much because he's about Darcy Moore's same price I think I'd just rather Darcy Moore in, in hopefully a better side but Brisbane it's hard to judge how good they are they haven't I mean, I mean, they had an amazing win in the first week and they've come out here and kind of got over the line against North. But if they start losing games, when you're picking a forward in a you know, losing side, that's at some point your cash generation is going to die off. And so really, if you think Brisbane are going to continue um, winning games and you know, they're, therefore they're going to be kicking more goals, McCarthy could be a perfectly fine option. If he gets two goals a game, he probably will you know, average more than 75 and make some money. But if you think they're going to end up being in the bottom six again, then I'd probably be staying away from a forward from their side. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, who else had a decent game? Oh, the next one I do want to touch on, I've got written down, Goldie. Did it, what effect did Tommy Campbell have on Goldie this week, if any? See, I don't really think Tom Campbell had too much of an effect on 
goals team himself. You know, maybe he took up, um, you know, let's say 20% ruck time from him. We'd see, you can see Goldstein had 33 hitouts, Campbell had six. I think Goldstein just hasn't quite looked as good as he did in the preseason, which is um, a bit unfortunate because in his first half in the, the JLT1, he looked like he was back to his you know athletic best. But even in this game, he only had 10 possessions. So he's not even like, you know, getting that around 20 touches a game, which you'd really like for a mobile Rockman. And he's relying a lot on his hitouts. And when you're hitting it to what we thought was going to be a, a good North Melbourne outfit and their midfield, they just kind of haven't hit the mark this season. So uh, it's definitely danger signs with Goldstein. And if you selected him over Grundy and Gorn, I think they, they will drop in price. So you're probably okay in, in still waiting for it, but you're going to be leaking points in the in the meantime. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, that pretty much wraps up that game in terms of relevance. We'll jump into the next one, Hawks and the Bulldogs. Great comeback by the Doggies. Uh, it, the Hawks did uh, their... I guess the Doggies did their best Stephen Bradbury impression, just um, uh, coming from behind as the Hawks fell over themselves. Sicily giving away that free kick right at the end, just doing his typical James Sicily things. Warple and Cousins did uh, you know, really, really well, putting up scores um, that you'd be happy with if you were owners. The one that I do want to talk about, I know you've talked about him before, Pistol, is Jack Gunston. He's <laughs> above 100 again. I can't let you get away without talking to me about him because he's just so unique. Only in 1,935 teams, which is 1%. It's funny. Every year, he just does well. He's always around the top 10 forward mark and no one picks him because he's a key forward and everyone's thinking... Hawthorne are going to drop off, but he just finds ways to score. And, you know, this week, obviously, it was the four goals, but he doesn't rely on goals. I think that's a, a common misconception. He doesn't really rely on goals to have to score well. Um, but, you know, it helps when he is a really good goal kicker and he's a good forward. So if you're looking kind of outside the box, he's certainly somebody that barely anyone ever thinks of um, for that option. But there, there is another forward option. You did slightly mention him, James Warple, playing as a midfielder, a 92 this week. Now, we should say that Shields did go off injured. Um, it kind of looked like a hammy injury. I'm not really sure. We haven't heard any more details about it. Um, Burgoyne also went off with a, a similar hammy injury. That just means there's going to be more midfield opportunities for Warple. I'm not really worried that anyone's going to take away some of his midfield time. It looks like, you know, even when Wingard's back, Wingard's probably going to be playing more forward than midfield, according to Clarko saying they wanted more of like a Cyril-type role, um, which just means you've got Cousins and Gunston running loose, sorry, Cousins and Warple running loose in the Hawthorne midfield for the foreseeable future, and Cousins is going to make you a lot of cash, and Warple's going to score well. So that's uh, two positive picks for the Hawks. Yeah, and another positive pick from the Hawks in our Supercoach side, Jack Scrimshaw. i tell you something that I noticed this week, because I don't know why I haven't noticed him noticed it before. Jack Scrimshaw is sneaky tall. He's actually, <laughs> he is he's, very he, tall. He's sneakily a really big body defender. Yeah, and he also had eight contested possessions this week, which is great for, you know, what we want as our defenders. They, he got 17 touches with eight contested, and leads to a good score he used it very well as well so I'm very happy with him as a rookie selection and I thought he played extremely well this week yeah I think that kind of um, helps our 
don't know, kind of, we were concerned whether we should, uh, we could play him on field or not. And a lot of uh, coaches were just, you know, satisfied with sticking him on the bench and just leaving him there to generate cash. But it's good to see that he has the prowess to kind of go on the field if we need to. And particularly, um, say Marty Hawes out again, there might be the opportunity for you to loophole um, uh, at some point during the year as well. So um, that that score, was, uh, I was really, really pleased with. I, I guess we can't get away without talking about some of the doggies here, Pistol. <laughs> Just fantastic to see Liber back doing Liber things. He was awesome in that last quarter as well. Really stepped up and scored massive. Finished with 128 points just above McRae, who also kicked a goal and gave off a goal assist in the the last quarter um, with 127 points. I think, though, out of this whole game, the most impressive thing to me was actually Caleb Daniel. He was so good off that halfback flank. Um, he, there was a couple of mismatches when he was, you know, one-on-one um, against Ruffhead and ended up jumping on his back like a jetpack and Ruffhead <laughs> took the mark and kicked the goal. Um, but he did spoil Segler, which was actually hilarious, and he did spoil Ruffhead um, at, at a time as well. And we know Dog's halfback flanks always score well. We've had JJ in the past dominate. We've had Crozier in like the last half of last year, just like average 95 for the rest of the year. It is a really super coach friendly role. And he scored 104 in the first week. He scored 120 this week from his 32 possessions. I, I can't really see a reason why when he's playing so well in this role, why they would remove him. I think when JJ comes back, they might slot him into the half forward line. But if if Caleb Daniel is going to play in this role, it's a, it's a big call, Chizo, but I think he'll really give the top six forwards, not not top 10, top six forwards, a run for their money if he's playing in this role. Well, we know what Bevo likes to do, and that's change players' roles for <laughs> any given reason. So what you've done there, and I'll point it out, you've used logic and reasoning, and we know you shouldn't do that with Luke Beveridge. That's, you've got me there. I, I concede. <laughs> Completely <laughs> I mean, Liver put out a 128 this week, and he still played time in the in the forward line. I guess to uh, help him build his tank or something like that. They um, all do. All those all those doggy midfielders. I, I think even um, Josh Dunkley spent. He, he definitely spent more than half the game running through the midfield. But then he was up forward as well, and you're just like, well, it's just a waste. But you know, he he didn't even score well when he was in the midfield. It was a bit worrying. Um, he only put out a 76. Is he worth a hold or worth a trade? What's what's your thoughts on Dunkley? I'd be holding him at this stage. So I think I. Uh, I think it's just an unnecessary risk yep. to try and get rid of him and find someone else that is around his price that might go bigger. You know, like um, players that are around his price are McLean, which we know is playing exclusively as a forward. He's basically getting no mid time this year at all. Um, so there's a risk in that. Even though he scored well this week, it's going to fluctuate. Um, whereas we know if you play in the midfield, you get more consistent uh, opportunities to get the ball, so you're you know more than likely going to have a high score. So you know from that reasoning, you would want to keep Dunkley over McLean and someone else with a similar price is David Mundy. We know exactly how he's going because we're about to touch on him. So um, there's no one kind of around his price that you would want to go anyway. So you're looking to go up or you're looking to go down and then you're in the middle of no man's land. So uh, Heaney and Dunkley are in the same boat for me. I'd just be holding and kind of writing them out because it's um, they're not going bad enough that you need to have a corrective trade at this stage. They're only, um, what, 20 points under what their average was. So 
um, stick fat with those guys, in, in my opinion. Uh, Jack McRae has proven to all those coaches that thought he was going to fall off. He's going to be in the top two or three scorers again this season, Pistol. Yeah, no, definitely. I thought we were, we were tracking into the next game, and you built up a really nice segue with Mundy, and then all of a sudden we're back in the other game. Well, we can segue now because uh, you've just brought up Mundy. We'll talk about him. <laughs> he, he's got low time on ground again, and it's, uh, you know, even though the he's lowest. spending time around a ball, what is going on? I don't know, Chizo. I, I He had the lowest time on ground for Fremantle. He still played in the midfield, but they don't play him on the field so it's a bit confusing but he's put up a terrible score again this week and when I say terrible I don't think people that don't own him realize that he only put up 35 points and this is from somebody that you're paying 520k for I feel like in this situation David Mundy is a trade for me. He's not He's not a hold and wait and see like a, a Dunkley and a Heaney who I, who I do think is going to be a top six or roughly, you know, top six, top ten forward. When you've come out the way Mundy has at the beginning of the season, a 73 and a 35 is against North Melbourne and, and Gold Coast. This this is a, this is a definite trade, right, Chizo? Panic stations, yeah. Complete panic. Absolutely panic stations. And the thing with uh, Dunkley and Hades, yes, they're a little bit unders, but they're going okay. You know, swings and roundabouts, they will have a good score eventually, and things. You know, the ball will bounce towards them, then away from them. Whereas Mundy is not getting time on ground. When he is getting time on ground, he's in the midfield, but he can't get his hands on the ball. It, it's just, it's ineffable. I I can't explain what is happening because there's no injury that we're aware of um it it just doesn't make sense so it, it, at this stage all the evidence is pointing to the fact that there's going to be a drop off with Monday um at least at the start of the season and this is your prime opportunity to to jump ship i think would you be which which forward would you be trading him to though uh, is is it just as easy as grabbing tim kelly I think the obvious choice is Tim Kelly. I think um, he has proven over the preseason um, and now into the regular season that he's just a superstar. So, and he's got the exact role you want. So it's just an easy um, tick and flip. Like just just uh, get him in because the thing is, David Mundy is really unique, and that goes two ways, right? If you've got a unique that's scoring really well, you get ahead of everyone. If you've got a unique that's scoring poorly, you're the only one that suffers. And so yep. that's 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 why with Heaney and Dunkley, they're a little bit more owned. So you're not suffering alone; you're suffering with everyone else. So not everyone else isn't just streaking ahead from you with Mundy because he's in two or three percent of teams. You have to make this hard call right now. No, I, I'm totally on board with you, and I think it's just Tim Kelly all the way here. If you've got the money, I mean, if you've got the money because he, he's more expensive, um, but if, as long as you've got the trades, and I think we, we'll, we'll jump into this a little bit after Chizo, and, and if you should focus on trading your premiums or fixing up your rookies first. But, um, yeah, we'll, we'll jump into that in a, in a bit. But I did want to say um, this 666 rule, was very clear in this match that it's just opening so much space for players like Brad Hill. Yeah. 32 possessions. He he was absolutely everywhere and and he's he's had two big games this year as well. I'm not suggesting that Hill will end up being, you know, a top 10 midfielder, but he could certainly go above 105 this season. 
Yeah, it, it, the elite runners are the guys that are going to benefit. So we've already talked about uh, Lockie Whitfield that's gone in the 120s, Brad Hills in the 120s. Um, it, it's just those elite runners that are going to benefit from and Not like the, the, the um, you know, you just your above average fit guys. Those guys in the top 1% or 2% of the runners, which are your Brad Hills, which are your, your Lockie Whitfields. Uh, maybe Tom Scully when he gets really, really fit again. He's obviously just had his first game back. But these are the type of players that are really going to benefit from the extra space. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're def- definitely seeing that. Um, we should also talk about Nat Fife. I'll just... Um, move straight on into into the uh, the Frio captain. Uh, he's just in everything. And the only kind of blip that we've seen of him so far is the third quarter when the Gold Coast sent Jack Bowes to him. Just quelled him a little bit. He was on 60-something at halftime, only in the 80s at three-quarter time. Um, and it's only really the last 10 or 15 minutes of the last quarter when the game was up for grabs that he started getting his hands on it again. So... Um, Probably just stopped him from going 150 that third quarter where he just went a little bit quiet and the, uh, they, they just gave him that little bit of attention. Uh, yeah, I, I was a bit confused watching the game. It, he didn't really look like he was too fast. Like he, he wasn't desperately trying to break the tag from what I saw. He, he looked a little bit disinterested. Um, maybe I'm trying to look for negatives because I don't have him, but... Yeah, I wasn't. I was watching it, and I'm like, oh, that's a bit strange. It's just something maybe to take a little note of that we can um, watch in the next couple of weeks how he reacts to to being tagged. Um, there is someone from the Gold Coast Suns that made a massive, um, I guess, uptick in form. My boy, one week sample size. Say his name. It <laughs> it is uh, Darcy McFett. No, it is <laughs> Sam Collins. Came in. For those that managed to hold him past the one week with 86 points this week, um, Chizo, how did you how did you see his game? He was good, and I, I did talk about this last week where um, I thought that the Saints kind of singled him out a little bit. Not so much, um, maybe it wasn't as deliberate as it as it seemed um, through the the ownership bias glasses that I was looking uh, with Pistol in last week is it looked like they were trying to take opportunities not to just dump it on his head um, and we, we've seen late in the fourth quarter of this game exactly what he can do with that intercepting prowess that he has remember he broke um, the VFL records for the most intercept marks in a season he's got that potential and um, now that he's kind of getting a little bit of confidence um, he impacted the game and that last quarter when the game was up for grabs um, he wasn't uh, on a huge score at that time, but uh, a few clutch marks, a, a few really good contested plays that's boosted his score. And this is kind of what I expected. I don't think he's going to average this for the rest of the season, but I do see that he does have that um, potential to be a higher scorer than a lot of the rookies we do have in the back line, as, as well as they have been going. So I was really, really pleased to see that uh, my faith in Sam Collins is bringing more water. And I think there were like five or 10,000 coaches that traded him out after <laughs> round one. Yep, and uh, he's going to be up and down, and I would feel pretty shaky fielding him still because you never really know when he's going to score well. But if you do have a, a Marty Hoare that you are able to, you know, maybe loophole some other player and you don't like their score, then you can, you know, put him on the field. I think you've there's some flexibility there that if you do have to play him, it doesn't have to be the end of the world every single time like it was in round one. Like you can survive and you don't need to panic trade him out to someone else. You can hold him as well, um, which is, you know, good signs for owners. 
But Chizo, talking about panic trading and trading of rookies and trading of primos, let's let's put it out there. If you were going to trade this week, let's say you have someone like Dusty, you got someone like Mundy, you have someone like Heaney, and you missed out on two rookies in your forward line or in your midfield, whatever it may be, how do you determine which ones to target first? Do you, do you try and fix your primos first because you paid more or do you try and fix your rookies first um what how do you go about it chizo so the first thing to remember is this is a checks and balances game this is yes you score you 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 win games by scoring points but you your primary objective is to make as much cash as quick as you can that that's your primary role so the first thing you should be doing is ensuring you have all the good rookies to be um, generating your cash. So we'll probably, um, I'll, I'll go through a few that I think if you've missed one, you should be getting on. Pistol, if you think I've missed one or if you disagree, just let me know. I'll start with it. De- yeah, I'll start with the defense line. I think if you've missed uh, Scrimshaw, Clark or Dersma, you need to be trading to get one of them. Yeah, oh, I think it, it depends how deep you went, right? Because if you've gone... But what, know, what, what, are, what other defensive rookies could you have? You could have uh, a Hoare there. You could have a Burgess there. Um, you might, you're not going to have... It's all about generating those cash. And if you've got a Burgess and a, a Hoare there, one's not playing, one's only making 20 grand this week. And you've got a Dersma, um, which hey, I just, pro- just project... Boy, Burgess he's, was good. He got his 60. But he he's not going to be that that hard, fast generator. He's going to make 20 grand this week he's projected to make. Dersma's projected to make 65 so three times the amount of cash, you know, he's going to make it faster than what Burgess is, which allows you to upgrade quicker. Um, or, or maybe, maybe I'm saying I'm saying the wrong things um, in terms of should you be forcing a trade to get them. I think they're the the best three rookies for cash generation. If you didn't have them, I'd be looking at ways um, to get them in. If you were you didn't have as many um, generating cash. Um, in the, I wouldn't be looking after going after Collins just because of that elevator price. If he didn't start with them, I wouldn't be getting him. In the fo- in the midfield, I think um, Walsh, Constable, and Butters are you three um, rookies that you should be looking to play on field. Um, if you have um, someone in the midfield that you picked that just isn't playing, uh, it would be an easy kind of trade to get an Atkins or a Gibbons. Um, what about Scott Pistol? Are you, are you still in the hold or you're in the trade camp? Well, I don't know if he's playing or not this week, but if he's playing, I'm okay. Sit on the fence. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if if he's out, I'd probably look to to trade him. I think. I mean, depends who comes in, but most likely, if if he's dropped, I'd certainly be considering to, just to trade him now and rather than just have him on the the bench all season. Just because I also have Hoare and Bolter, who also might not get a gig, so I need to sort something out. Yeah, sure. Uh, Drew, Parker, and Setterfield are the obvious ones in the forward line. I wouldn't be chasing after a Petrocelli, but if you got him, that's uh, great news. What about a, a, a Bolter pistol? Like, Even if he is named this week, it's probably not super essential that you go chasing after him for that extra cash. Well, yeah, if you've, if you've got him, you just don't even trade him out if he's yeah. named. I mean, I mean, the thing is, I, I disagree with the Burgess call. I think if you've got playing rookies, don't trade out the playing rookies because... You'd have to trade in someone that's going to make 150k ish more than the player that you have. So even if Burgess makes 50k, 
you'd really need to, for that trade to be worth it, you'd really need to make, you know, 200K from the player that you're bringing in just because that trade has an equivalent value of roughly 150K just based on um, the first half of the season and how much on average cash you can get out of a rookie. Um, and if you, yeah, if you've, if you've got ones that aren't playing, they're the ones that, you know, you should target to trade up, but not for the sake of just getting in a playing rookie. Like I wouldn't be trading Hoare out for Wilkie for example, just because Wilkie's playing. I'd only yeah. be doing the trades to get the, the good... high The high cash yeah. generators, the good ones. If you missed Constable or you missed a Butters, for example, you'd, or a Willem Drew, for example, if you didn't start Willem Drew, you'd be chasing him down like nothing yeah, else. Yeah, I definitely would. But yeah, for example, if Bolter does miss this week, like I didn't have anyone to really... Am I, am I going to get Myers from from Geelong who who scored well in the win I'm probably not because it's not worth it that's why I'm mentioning the ones yeah. that you should be getting on not the ones yeah. you shouldn't be getting on <laughs> yes there's a lot that you shouldn't be getting on so I, I feel like we just need to make that distinction extra clear for for, for some listeners okay so say that you have all your all the rookies that you like you've got your cash generated and sorted you can think about luxury trades um, in circumstances when we're talking about Primo's pistol it's all situation based we've already given our opinion on a lot of these guys but um, what's your kind of process when you're thinking about sideways in your premium this early in the season so I don't really see it as a luxury trade. It's more a correctional trade, just okay. as a rookie correctional trade. Because at the end of the day, if you're if you're holding somebody, that's not going to be you know a worthwhile you know F six D six or, or M eight, and you're going to have to trade them later. You're trading them later at a loss of probably 150k or whatever it is, because otherwise they would have maintained their price if they're scoring well. So you're you're trading to somebody and you're still you might you may not be necessarily making money but you're saving yourself from having to use a trade down the line and having to pay that extra money so for me i think it's perfectly fine if you are trading some specific premiums i'd say i'm very much on the the hold heaney board um but players like mundy and dusty I feel like I would be fine if you had to get rid of them, especially Dusty. If you if you did, that's for for example, you had sixty k in the bank and you did Dusty to Neil. I mean, that's perfect. You're, you're probably earning yourself twenty thirty points per week for the rest of the season, just off that one trade, which is definitely worth it. So um, that that that's 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 kind of um, my approach, pistol. So sorry to butt in, but with right. Dusty, I wouldn't be like sidewaysing him to someone you can kind of afford. I would be considering it it a correctional trade if you're going to someone like an oliver or a canelio or a you know a neil one of these guys that are genuine um almost captaincy options these bankable kind of players that you can go with which is what you were expecting from dusty but if you're going sideways um to zach uh, merritt (laughs) yeah someone like a zach merritt because that's all you can afford that's not a correctional trade that's a i want to get rid of dusty and anyone will do so you've got you've got to isolate someone that you're really really you've weighed everything up you said you know i think that neil is going to outscore dusty by a considerable amount this year this is worth the correctional trade and so for that that way i would be doing it the the last thing we'll touch on before we will wrap up the podcast here pistol i do want to ask you directly dusty to rocky (laughs) <laughs> or maybe even a Dusty to Liver. Your thoughts on that quickly before we wrap up. I'm a, I'm a, I'm big on Dusty the Rocky because you gain 150k, which will allow you to do a quick upgrade somewhere else. So you are gaining that money, but at the same time, Rocky 
should outscore Dusty as well and will definitely overtake him in price um, quite quickly on in the season. And I believe Rocky is back. Obviously, if you don't believe it, don't do it. But if you if you think that he's back and all signs are pointing towards it, um, you can make that trade now. You can make 150K, which might set you up in some other way. I, I, will, I will touch on just very quickly because I, I have got a couple of questions like this where you have some rookies to fix and you have Dusty on Monday and you don't really know the order. I know a lot of people will tell you, make sure you get all of your rookies right first. And I agree to an extent. It's just as long as you get the key rookies, as we were saying, but if you're just trading to get in, you know, a whore to Wilkie, a whore to Rosie or something like that, um, then instead of that, if you had Dusty or you had Monday, they're the ones that I would trade instead of just doing kind of a rookie sideways to a more dodgy rookie. Um, so I just wanted to throw that in there, Chizo. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I'm also a fan of the Matt Crouch uh, from Dusty as well because I think he's going to have a good year. Pistol, it's been great chatting to you. Where can the uh, lovely listeners find us during the week? <laughs> you can find us on Twitter at uh, Pistol underscore DIC, Chizo with a Z underscore DIC, and JB underscore DIC. Um, you can follow the Dr. Supercoach page at Dr. underscore SC. On Twitter, on Facebook, you can find us at Dr. Supercoach. Um, spelt out doctor and if you'd like to um, check out the cancer council um, you can type into google um, cancer council dr Supercoach or everyday hero dr Supercoach, um, <laughs> or you could uh, check in the links uh, on the comments on facebook we'll post a link up to it if you'd like to draw on patreon you can also um, check us out in comments and whatnot and um is that everywhere that you can find us? I'm pretty Chaser? sure it is. I'm I'm pretty sure if you went down to the local supermarket, you could find me down there on a Saturday morning doing the groceries. But yeah, that, <laughs> that's that's everywhere during the week. If you do have Supercoach related, I haven't been stopped in the street yet, Pistol, which is great. That's the anonymity for you. Uh, it's been fantastic <laughs> talking to you, Pistol. I love having you on the podcast. We always kind of bounce off each other, and every time we're on the podcast, our 45 minute podcast doubles. It just yes. without so, fail. So for those oh, in the car right now, I know there's a couple of you. I know Rain Man's already in my DMs telling me to make them shorter, but it just happens. It's early in the season. As the season goes, they get shorter and shorter and shorter, and they even up. So uh, great for having you on. Thanks for listening, and hope you have a great Round 3 community. We'll see you for the Lockout podcast. <laughs>